Nicole Pitchers and you are listening to the Reasonable Woman podcast, a legal podcast for all you law enthusiasts out there. Please feel free to send me an email should you have any particular topic you want to hear more about at thereasonablepodcast at gmail.com. In the previous two episodes, we looked at the first two initial treaties of the EU, and today we'll look at the final one, the 1957 EEC Treaty. Bear with me on this one as we will be going relatively thoroughly through the treaty, but I tried to condense it as much as I possibly could. I should also inform you guys that my all my sources for the past three episodes, including this one, are from the treaties themselves and from the European Parliament websites, all of which are super easy to find. Right, so let's get cracking. The treaty establishing the European Economic Community, also known as one of the treaties of Rome, was signed in parallel with Euratom. Its aim was to set up the European Economic Community, bringing the six member states of the ECSC together, working towards integration and economic growth through trade. It created the common market, based on the free movement of goods, people, services and capital. This treaty is now called the Treaty of the Functioning of the EU, or the TFEU, and similarly similarly to the ECSC Treaty and Euratom, established the institutions of the Council of Ministers, the Commission, the Parliamentary Assembly and the Court of Justice. I must mention that in the Treaty of Paris episode, I mentioned that Article 4 created the common market, but I neglected to stress that this was specifically for coal and steel, whereas the EEC Treaty created the common market that we know today. The aim of the treaty, as stated in Article 2, is to promote a harmonious development of economic activities, a continued and balanced expansion, increased stability, an accelerated raising of the standard of living and closer relations between its member states by establishing a common market. This was yet again another step towards ever closer political unification in Europe. Targets of the EEC were helping to build an ever closer union among the European people, ensure social and economic progress of member states by eliminating trade and other barriers, improving the living and working conditions of citizens, ensuring balanced trade and fair competition, reducing the social and economic differences between the EEC region to gradually abolish restrictions on international trade through a common trade policy. They were also striving to abide by the UN Charter principles and pool their resources to preserve and strengthen the peace and liberty and to invite those who share this vision to join them in these efforts. Concerning the common market, the Treaty of Rome created the common market where the signatories agreed to align their economic policies. It created the single economic area with free competition, laying the basis for approximating the trade conditions in products and services over and above those already created by other treaties, such as the ECSC and Neurotum, the two that we looked at before. It also prohibits restrictive agreements and government subsidies that affect trade, and also includes the member states' overseas territories in these efforts. Part 2, Title 1 of the EEC Treaty concerned the free movement of goods, Article 9 states that the community shall be based upon a customs union covering the exchange of all goods and comprising both the prohibition of customs duties on importation and exportation, all charges with equivalent effect between member states and the adoption of a common customs tariff in their relations with third countries. Articles 12 to 37 concern the elimination of customs duties the establishment of the common customs tariff and the elimination of quantitative restrictions between the member states. 
Title II relates to agriculture, Article 38 stating how the common market shall extend to agriculture and trade in agricultural products, aka products of the soil, stock breeding and fisheries, as well as products after the first processing stage directly connected with such products. Title III concerns the free movement of persons, services and capital, with Articles 48 to 66 directly concerning workers. Article 48 promises the free movement of workers will involve the abolition of any discrimination based on nationality between workers of member states as regards employment, remuneration and other working conditions. It also gives workers the right to accept offers of employment actually made to move about freely within the territory of the member states, so long as it's for work, to stay in any member states to carry on an employment in conformity with the legislative and administrative provisions governing the employment of the worker of that state, as well as the ability to live in the territory of a member state after having been employed there. Articles 67 to 73 of the third title concern capital, with Article 67 stating how member states are to progressively abolish, as between themselves, restrictions on the movement of capital belonging to persons residents in member states, and also any discriminatory treatment based on the nationality or place of residence of the parties or on the place in which such capital is invested. Title 4 of Part 2 relates to transport in an effort to help create a common transport policy. Part 3 of the treaty concerns the policy of the community, with Title 1 addressing common rules, for example, rules governing competition, fiscal provisions and the approximation of laws. Title 2 addresses economic policies, such as the policy relating to economic trends and the balance of payments. Title 3 of Part 3 addresses social policy, so that includes social provisions involving the promotion of the improvement of living and working conditions of labour, and the European Social Fund, etc. Title 4 addresses matters of the European Investment Bank. Article 129 establishes a European Investment Bank having legal personality, and the members of such a bank are to be the member states. The statute of the bank is one of the protocols of this EEC treaty. The task of the bank, as stated in Article 130, is to contribute by calling on the capital markets and on its own resources to the balanced and smooth development of the common market in the interest of the community. For this purpose, the bank shall, by granting loans and guarantees on a non-profit making basis, facilitate the financing of the following projects in all sectors of the economy. One, projects for developing less developed regions. Two, projects for converting enterprises or for creating new activities which are called for by the progressive establishment of the common market, where such products by their size or nature cannot be entirely financed by the various means available in each of the member states, which basically means that the member states can't afford it on their own. And three, projects of common interest to several member states, which they can't afford on their own. Part four of the treaty is about the association of overseas countries and territories. Part 5 is about the institutions of the community, so the Assembly, the Council, the Commission and the Court of Justice. The task of the Assembly, as stated in Article 137, is to exercise the powers of deliberation and of control which are conferred upon it by the Treaty, which I think is quite a vaguely worded task, but there you go. Article 145 addresses the Council, and with a view to ensuring the achievement of the Treaty objectives, it must ensure the coordination of the general economic policies of the member states and dispose of a power of decision. 
The Commission, Article 155, to ensure the functioning and development of the common market, must ensure the application of the provisions of the treaty, formulate recommendations or opinions in matters the treaty addresses, and participate in the preparation of acts of the Council and of the Assembly, as well as exercise the competence conferred on it by the Council for the implementation of the rules. The role of the Court of Justice, as stated by Article 164, is to ensure observance of law and justice in the interpretation and application of the treaty. That sounds much more straightforward. The rest of the treaty are provisions common to several institutions and the Economic and Social Committee, final provisions, and then lastly, general and final provisions. The customs union created by the treaty meant abolishing quotas and customs duties between the signatories and created a common external tariff on imports from outside of the EEC, whereas before there were different tariffs on different states. In conjunction with the customs union, a common trade policy was created, which was managed at EEC level and distinguished the customs union from just a free trade association. Other joint policies with member states included the common agricultural policy, transport policy, and also gave room for other joint policies to be created if needed. After 1972, the EEC established further joint policies concerning environmental, regional and industrial policy fields, which were further accompanied by the establishment of a European Social Fund and the European Investment Bank. So we finally made it to the end of the episode and if you're still here listening I congratulate you because I know this one wasn't easy. I'll be leaving you guys with this for today and in the next episode we will continue with a little bit of EU political history and the 1986 Single European Act. Until next time, bye!